Aldrin Sampia on Beyond the Headline. It's a 17 minutes now before 4 o'clock. In conversation next with Helen Ziller, the DA's Federal Council Chairperson, it's all systems go for the resumption of the Democratic Alliance's elective Congress that is due to take place tomorrow as well as on Sunday at Gallagher State in Midrand. Helen Ziller will be running for re-election as the DA's Federal Council Chairperson. She joins us now to discuss the party politics and SA's state of affairs. Helen, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us. Good afternoon, Aldrin. Good afternoon to your listeners. It's a pleasure. What do you make of Helen Ziller going into re-election unopposed? What does it say? What does it tell you? Well, what it tells me is that the voters in the federal council must think I'm doing a good job to re-elect me unopposed. In the DA, people stand for all kinds of positions all of the time. No one is shy to stand and contest for a position, and that's a good thing. We like contestation in the DA. Uh, We have good and robust and healthy elections. And I'm very humbled and very honored to be unopposed as chair of the federal council. Do you think that the DA needs to um, look at its um, criteria that it uses for people who want to stand for positions, that it can't just be somebody who um, is new to the party and all of a sudden that person is then allowed to stand for any position in the party? Well, that is a question people have asked, and we have long prided ourselves of being available for anybody who wants to contest, and people must come and put their hat in the ring and then be selected on merit. That's what we believe in. And I remember when I stood as the DA's mayoral candidate for the city of Cape Town, and the DA had to select a candidate, a young man fresh out of school, a matriculant, who hadn't had any experience of tertiary education or mm-hmm. any other kinds of work experience, put his hat in the ring to contest for mayor of Cape Town, and he was allowed to contest. Now, he didn't make it, and you know that's obviously to be expected, but he wanted to contest, and we enabled him to put his hat in the ring. We've long been a party like that. In this particular round, we've had somebody who's almost brand new to the party who clearly didn't have any clear understanding Mm. of any of the positions for which she was contesting. And she put in her hat in the ring, and she's still contesting for some of them. She pulled back from some when she realized the kind of job descriptions that were behind those titles. So she pulled back from some. But, you know, she's still contesting, and there she is, and good luck to her. Yeah, but then on the other end as well, because we also interviewed Lungile Penyane on the show, and we also got the sense that um, she perhaps doesn't understand the, even the policies of the Democratic Alliance, but there's also the risk of reputational damage that the DA then runs because here you have somebody who is a member of the DA, but even as just a member of the DA, this person is struggling to articulate the policies of the party where she differs with the policies of the party, if any, and also now at the same time in the running for all of those positions except for three. Well, the bottom line is that currently we have a completely open-door policy. There are people who suggested that we should, for example, have to get the endorsement of a certain number of branches before we can stand for a position. And that has its advantages. Definitely it has its advantages, but it also has its disadvantages because then people start forming branches and mobilizing members just to get themselves nominated, which Mm. is not what we want. We want people to join the DA because they really believe in what we stand for and they want to work towards getting a government that stands for those things. So, you know, there's pros and cons of every system. Currently, we have a completely open-door policy. But if, let's say, 
hundreds of people were to stand who had just signed up for the DA last week and didn't understand what any of the jobs involved, we might have to think of a screening process first to establish what qualities and what qualifications we require when people are actually shortlisted. What's your proposal on how to um, protect the integrity of that process and also the to ensure that you get the best of the best who stand for these positions? Because after all, at the core of um, the, the DA's economic justice system, um, a policy proposal as well, is meritocracy. Yes, indeed. Uh, that is the core of our policy proposal. And we would believe that everybody should be given a chance to prove their merit. And we enable that to happen now. And we've also got confidence enough in our system that we will have people electing who understand that that is the DA philosophy and will choose the person that they think is most fit for purpose given that particular job description. We all know what the jobs are about. Everybody is aware of the content, not just the title of the job, and people will vote accordingly. We've got a lot of confidence in our DA members, and especially those who are elected to be Congress delegates, to take decisions having thought them through very carefully. That doesn't mean to say everybody will vote for one candidate, not Mm. at all. Some of those elections are going to be very, very close. Because people don't always agree on who the best yep. person for a specific position is, which is fine. I mean, that's why we run an internal democracy in the DA. So that is fine as well. But it may well be, I mean, we may have to come to a system like our candidate selection system. Now, let me give you that example, seeing that you asked the question. If we have a by-election, let's say, we have a set of criteria, then we call for nominations. And everyone submits their CV against the set of criteria. Then we have a screening committee that goes through the applications and the CVs against the criteria. Now, for example, if you want to be a candidate in a ward, which is a geographic area where people directly elect a specific candidate for that geographic area, one of the criteria is are one of the criteria is that you actually have to live there. Mm-hmm. So if this is a ward in, let's say, Mangaung, but you live in Johannesburg, yeah. you will be screened out from the very beginning. You may be a very meritorious candidate, but one of the criteria for being a ward councillor is that you must have some understanding and quite a deep understanding of the ward that you want to stand in. And we have various other criteria as well. And that is why we take, let's say, sometimes 30 applicants for one position and we will get it down to a short list of yeah. about seven or eight. Is that a matter that will be on the agenda of the Congress? No, it won't be. It won't be. There's a list of resolutions that will be there. Nineteen of the resolutions couldn't be argued at uh, federal council because of time constraints. Mm-hmm. So 19 of those will, uh, can't be argued at federal Congress. I mean, I'm sorry. So 19 will actually go to the federal council where we will have debates on those specific yeah. resolutions. Does the 19 major include policy this one? Resolutions, the major policy resolutions will come to federal Congress over this weekend.
Okay, zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. You tweeted Aldrin Simpier, and our studio line is zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. We're in conversation with Helen Ziller, who is the federal federal council chairperson of the Democratic Alliance ahead of uh, the Congress that will be taking place over the weekend in um, Midrand at Gallagher State. Any questions, comments that you have around perhaps even the state of the party or what the vision of the party is as they head into this all important Congress? I think one of its biggest um, to date. I'll get Helen Ziller to confirm. That just after this. You are listening to Aldrin Sampia on SAFM. We're taking your calls on 086-000-2032 and your voice notes on 0614-104-107. You can also drop me a tweet at Aldrin Sampia in conversation with the DA's Federal Council Chairperson, Helen Zilla, ahead of the Congress that will be taking place this weekend. Pule is joining us from Matlosana. Good afternoon. Yes, uh, how are you? Good, good, Pule. Right, I'll just be brief, man. Um, the the election of Stenhausen, does Helen Zilla support Stenhausen or does she support, she support uh, Alassie, the former mayor of Johannesburg? Who does she support? Okay. Um, 0614-104-107. Hi, Aldrin. Neil from Midrand. I think my question to Helen is... How exactly do Hi, they Aldrin. intend Neil on stabilizing coalitions should they not get an outright majority come next year's elections? Because this mayor on, mayor removed, mayor voted out in the cities, it's really disturbing in terms of service delivery and it's affect, it is affecting it because now politics is being played and services are on a standstill. So what is their plan in terms of stabilizing coalitions? Thank you. Okay, and on Twitter, um, I think it's uh, Tom who says, can you ask the DA chairperson why there are so many deputy positions? Are there not role overlapping? Can she explain the two different sets of deputies, the deputy chairperson of federal council and the deputy federal chairperson? Helen? Yes, thank you. Um, I'll just quickly write this question down. The first question was whether I will support uh, John Stenhazen or Dr. Mpopalatse. I think I heard that was the question. Sure. Well, I'm the chair of the federal council and the chair of the federal executive. And as such, I have to be able to work well and constructively with whoever is elected. So it would be completely wrong of me to express a preference. I've worked very well both with Dr. Palatse and with John Stenhazen. When uh, Dr. Palatse was the mayor of Johannesburg, I worked very closely with her from the governance unit of the Democratic Alliance, and we had a very constructive and positive interaction. And I've had exactly the same with John Stienhausen in his role as leader of the party and my role as chair of the federal executive. So I do work well with both of them, and I would be happy to work into the future with either of them. That is the answer to the question. Then um, the second question is actually a very, very good question. The current large, unwieldy, multi-party coalitions with large numbers of one-seat parties and sometimes two-seat parties Mm -hmm. make these coalitions extremely unstable. And when so many different parties have the balance of power and if somebody gets their feelings hurt or believes they should have had a position that someone else got, they can really bring down the government. And we've seen that happening time and again. And often when the divisions happen inside those tiny parties, it reflects in the coalition as a whole, 
and somebody in a tiny party replaces somebody else and then they want to change sides and they bring down the government as a whole. So it's a very good question. The coalitions have been extremely unstable. Now, I know that whoever is elected, either John or Paul, will have to make a speech on Mm. how they propose to take South Africa to the 2024 election. And I'm sure that whichever of them is elected will set out a vision for how to do that. Now, it is not my role as chair of the federal council to say how we're going to stabilize the coalition environment. It has been extremely difficult up till now, and I can analyze exactly why in great detail. But what the party leader must do, and I'm not the party leader, is to say, right, we've taken note of the problems, and I've written up a lot of the problems. Everybody knows what they are. Dr. Palazzi was inside one of those coalitions. The government unit informs everybody Mm. about the challenges of the problems. They must spell out that vision. And we're going to be on television, I think it's half past two on Sunday, with whoever is elected leader will be out there setting forward that vision. But but, but should that vision also include um, the ability of the regional bodies to conclude their own um, coalition uh, governments or even multi-party coalition governments? Well, that is a matter of policy. And the truth is that at a federal level, you do have to have broad parameters. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if a local representative branch of the DA in a specific municipality, let's say, you know, Trebuffel, Smith, Ian, Squirt, Fontaine, if in that place they wanted to do a coalition with the ESF, we would say, no, that's against the DA's policy. We can't do that. So there have to be broad parameters, but obviously the local teams must be involved in those discussions. Okay, and then the question around, the, just the clarity around the uh, various uh, deputy chairperson positions? Yes, well, I've got the different deputies and they work on different things. So one of the deputies that I have works very hard on our internal electoral systems. So for example, when we go running into an election, we have candidate selection, which is a complex and elongated process in the DA. It covers the entire country, nine provinces, every single municipality. In local elections, we have a councillor candidate in every single ward across the entire country. We have a list in every single municipality. It's a huge job. So one of my deputies takes control of that. The other deputy takes control of the performance evaluation that we do for our public representatives and our public representatives in the Democratic Alliance. And that is also an enormous job. And the other deputy deals with the ancillary organizations. That is organizations like DASO, like DA Abroad, like the Democratic Youth, Mm -hmm. like the uh, DA Women's Network, et cetera, et cetera. So those are my three deputies. The deputies at federal level, one takes a charge of international relations. The other one takes charge of uh, crucial whole of society partners in uh, in the country. And the other, I'm just trying to remember what the job description of that person is, and I can't remember immediately, mm-hmm. but they get a lot of delegated work from the federal chair, who is Ivan yep. Mayer, who is running again. Uh, Helen, just two quick questions. Um, unfortunately, we've run out of time. Um, I was listening to the press briefing a bit earlier on, and one of um, the policies that the DA seems to be um, trying to advance to try and boost our economy is a possible evolution of tax and tariffs. Can you just quickly explain what exactly that means? 
the, the, ab- the abolition of tax and tariffs. Ta- tariffs, yeah. In the interim. Well when, you, well, when you reduce tariffs, you make it easier to import and export, and you make it easier for trade to happen. So our entire policy is given to boost economic activity, and as soon as economic activity is boosted, job creation is boosted. And our number one economic policy is to reduce unemployment. And so anything that will get more investment, more trade, more economic activity is what we support, and incentives to achieve that is very important. And from this Congress, will the DA, um, whoever the leader is who is elected in their closing speech, would they also pronounce on the position of the Democratic Alliance when it comes to um, the Cape independence and somewhat this constant affiliation that some people draw between the DA as well as the Cape independence? Now, the DA's position is quite clear. We support a federal system for South Africa, and we support strong federalism, that is devolution of power, for every province, not just for the Western Cape, for every province. We support devolution of power to the lowest effective level, but we do not support Cape independence. Okay, Helen Zaleis, the Federal Council Chairperson of uh, the Democratic Alliance, and of course we will be covering the Congress here on SAFM over the weekend. It's a minute after four o'clock, time for the news at.